a couple of days ago and it was a much better day yesterday because last year I shattered my right arm. This year I went to the beach instead. A far better better place to to visit rather than a hospital ward but we're not here here for for Raphael's uh, festival of birthday if that's such a thing it is now just credited. Um, We're here because well, we're here, here to t- tell you, of course, that the boldness is all about grabbing your human rights, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. But we're also lucky enough to be jo- joined by a guest to talk all things COVID and reopening and um, just how we all feel about that as people with disabilities. It's our pleasure to welcome Nicole's Smith, who is a disability advocate. Hello, Nicole. How do you, Beth? How are so, you doing, Nicole? Are you fantastic today? Good. How are you? I'm really well. Now, the first question. Now, tell us about yourself. You've got a writer's blog. Make sure that we all know about what that is, because it's a good way to introduce yourself. Yeah. So, um, my blog is called um, Blank Pages and Empty Spaces. And it's basically born out of the fact that I got um, a bit frustrated with the Australian media and what they were putting the spotlight onto. And I thought, I know a lot of people that are doing good in the world um, and I'd like to shift the spotlight over to them instead of um, celebrities who um, get praised just for existing, basically. Um, So I enjoy um, talking to people and learning all about their stories. Fantastic, Nicole. Now, is that disability, the opening up with COVID, how's that affected yourself? Um, I have about 16 support workers, a group of students who I call my squad. Um, and I have a support worker that comes in the morning and a support worker that comes at night. Um, A lot of my support workers, just because of the type of care that I require, that being personal care, come from the health field. And so a lot of them are nurses. Um, And so there are people that I haven't seen for months because they've been required to go, go to the local hospital because the hospitals need as much help as they can get. Um, so I have found that it's been quite difficult to get um, support workers. 
I'm really lucky in that I'm friends with all of my support workers, so they realise what impact it has on me when they when they can't show up. Um, but it's still been very difficult, and a lot of um, a lot of moving things around because they're all at university, um, and the universities are opening, then closing, then opening again, um, and so their classes are being changed, and so it's been quite difficult. There's a lot of crossing out and rewriting on the calendar. And what, what was, what was your, what was life like for you pre, pre, pre-COVID? Um, I'm quite a social being. Um, so I was basically out every night at dinners or, um, classes that I would do at the moment I do, um, improvisation classes. So I was out um, doing them. I I get a lot of uh, value out of my life from from exploring um, Melbourne's culture and Melbourne's arts. So I would always go and watch live music um, or watch a play or something like that. And I particularly like doing things in the weekdays so that because I work full time um so that I was breaking breaking up the time between um working full time and the evening I was doing something special in, in the evening so it really was a bit of a change um to be stuck inside <laughs> yeah and what so and what what was what was in so banks being stuck inside was was that was that how COVID kind of manifested itself for you or um I'm lucky in that even though I do live by myself as I mentioned before I have support workers come in the morning and at night and they're they're my friends as well so um as well as living by myself I made sure that I ha- had a bubble friend um. And then I um, have anxiety as well. And so I was able to get a medical exemption to go and see my father um, who lives nearby when I, when I needed to. Um, and so even, even though I lost a lot of my social life, I was a lot better off than, uh, than a lot of people. So um, I wouldn't say... I know that I just used the phrase stuck inside, but I wouldn't say that I was suffering at all. I'd say that it that it just put a halt on my life, but it didn't make it stop altogether, if that makes sense. And how, how did, how did, how, how did, um, <clears throat> you said before that um, you, your, you said before that uh, you, you sort of you were struggling or you were struggling with you were struggling with uh, you know being being inside but not not as not as struggling as uh, others what, what in t- terms of op- in terms of reopening are you, are you nervous to get back out there or I am nervous but not for the reason that a lot of people would think. I think a lot of people with disability, I don't want to speak for everyone, 
But I'm getting the sense from social media and from talking to my friends with disability that they're worried about actually catching COVID. Um, whereas with myself, I'm not immunocompromised or anything like that. So I'm not any more worried than um, anybody else would be. I think for me, it's just that um, COVID, uh, I am very much, um, I'm judgmental of myself and I don't really take into account my di- my disability and the impact it's had on my life. So I will um, look at my life and say, oh, by this, by this stage of my life, I should have done this and I should have done this and I should have done this and put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and I think that COVID forced that to stop. So I couldn't get worried about what I wasn't doing because nobody else was doing anything either. So it was like a forced, it was like the universe was forcing me to calm down and just enjoy my life and stay in the present. Um, And so now when we talk about opening up again, I suppose my worry comes from my anxiety about where I am in life and what my life looks like starting up again rather than actually catching COVID. It's the anxiety that that might come from um, from my life not being where I thought it would be at this stage of my life and my age that I am now. And what 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 do you, do you think that that will that will will ease once we um, once we once the kind of rhythm of life gets back into um, rhythm, for want of a better term. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I think it is helping because the more people that I speak to, the more people are feeling like me. Like I I do think there's an overwhelming sense of um, relief and happiness as is to be expected and as there should be, I think. Like it's amazing and it's great that that we're at a place where we can go back to life and and start enjoying um, the community again. But the more people that I speak to independently, the more people are saying, actually, I'm scared too. And actually, I don't know what my life looks like now. And actually, even though we are opening up again, our lives have changed. And so we have to sort of take that on board as well. And look at the lessons that we've learned during COVID about staying present and slowing down our lives and um, being more with the people that we love. We need to sort of take that on board more. So even though it seems like our lives get getting back to normal, I would say that it's getting back to a new normal, if that makes sense. Well, thank you very much for that. Nicole is we're going to play some community announcements now. Then we'll play Roger's Seg- Stars, a segment about movie reviews by the panelists of the bowlers, Roz and Murdoch McLeish. And then we will continue talking with Nicole Smith about experiences of post-lockdown and COVID. And when I clap my hands. I'll re-announce everybody, okay? A message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. 
to no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. If you're a renter experiencing hardship due to the pandemic, you can check now to see if you're eligible to apply for the Victorian Government's new one-off rental relief grant worth up to $1,500. To help you, Tenants Victoria have put together an eligibility checklist. This will make it easier for you to assess whether you're eligible to apply for the grant, which is paid as a contribution towards rent. There are some steps involved to qualify for the grant. See the checklist for more information and visit the Tenants Victoria website for further details on how to apply. Go to tenantsvic.org.au and search for Rent Relief Grants. Tenants Victoria is a 3CR supporter. This is Murdoch and Loz, panellists on The Boldness, and this is Loz's Stars. Hi Loz, what program are we reviewing today? Hello Murdoch, we are reviewing Starter School Untold Australia on SBS On Demand. And who was the director? It was directed by Liz Allen. What is this show about Murdoch? It highlights the consequences of living with a stutter or a stammer. A group of people are given a once-in-a-lifetime chance to join a four-day course to cure or at least improve their affliction. Who's the first person we see? Paul. He's from Melbourne and has stuttered for over 60 years. He wanted to become a policeman but was rejected and has had to take jobs where he did not have to speak to the public. He could not speak at his wedding and his children's birthdays and felt embarrassed and humiliated. Next was April. Tell me about her, Loz. April is 18 and runs her own online business. She has done this so she doesn't have to speak to her own customers. She has stuttered since she was six years old. Next up, we have Rezo. Rezo is 20 from Melbourne. He came with his family from the Democratic Republic of Congo and he believes his stuttering was caused by the trauma he encountered there. Next we have Marcus. Tell us a bit about him, Loz. Marcus is a 12-year-old boy who is a very good basketball player. But outside of that, he struggles to even look someone in the eye. Tell us about the course, Murdoch. The course is run by ex-stutterers and each person is assigned a mentor. The first challenge is to stand up and say their name. And it's heartbreaking to see them struggling. 
and they all talk of being bullied and humiliated at school. The main part of the course is teaching them a technique called costal breath. They take them to a public place and get them to ask strangers simple questions like, what is the time please? Most struggle. By day three, you can see them improving and gaining in confidence. What happens on the final day, loves? On day four, they have to make a speech to an audience about 50 people, mainly family, friends and ex-students. To speak to people who have always spoken for them. It was very emotional hearing their fantastic improvements and seeing their confidence return. They show us a few months later, most with new jobs and with great improvements with their speech. What did you think of the show, Murdoch? I really enjoyed it. I give it 8 out of 10 stars. What about you, Loz? I liked it. It was very inspiring. I give this 7 out of 10 stars. So just a reminder, Stutter School, Untold Australia, is a documentary on SBS On Demand. Thanks very much for listening to Loz's Stars. Now, we're talking with Nicole Smith, disability advocate, writer extraordinaire with a fantastic blog, and we're talking about the experience of post-lockdown and COVID. Now, Nicole, you were mentioning that people post-lockdown, what one of the lessons of COVID was slowing down, keeping it in and out, spending more time with those people that you actually love. Now, they're all very positive things that have come out of COVID, but from a quest point of lockdown, do you think it may be difficult for people to reconnect with others now that with the easing of restrictions have happened for people with a disability? Uh, yeah, I- I think so, absolutely. I think that um, people with disabilities on the whole some sometimes feel a bit more isolated. And I think that that isolation has only increased during COVID, obviously, when when we're by ourselves. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of people um, have learned ways of being social. Um, and so it's well, it's like anything. If you don't practice it for a while, you're, you're going to get out of practice. And so it's going to be difficult. I've even had um, able-bodied friends that I have seen recently and they've said something strange or something and then been like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't really know how to socialise anymore. Um, and so if, if you have difficulty socialising anyway as part of your disability... I imagine that it that it could get a lot harder. Yeah. What what do you what are the so what what because you mentioned it's it's also hard now for um immuno immunocompromised people to to I guess have the same confidence that everyone else is supposed to now that we're now that we're reopened, we're told to, you know, go out and enjoy the world. People with uh, who are immunocompromised or at 
greater risk of catching COVID are um, saying they're, they're fearful. They're, they're, they're still fearful and in some cases um, they're still not leave, leaving their house much. Are you getting Are you getting a sense that um, with the people you speak to and interact with that um, there's a there's definitely a, a reluctance to to to, to reemerge after lockdown. Um, I think overall, people that I surround myself with are. Um, getting out and about, but I definitely know of some people that are nervous uh, because I tend to think of um, of vaccinations almost like um, almost like safe driving, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't matter if 99% of the population are doing okay on the roads and being safe on the roads. If one person's not being safe, then it could cause danger to a lot of people. Um, So I tend to think of vaccinations as being the same thing. So I understand that um, people might be hesitant while there's still people getting vaccinated um, because you don't know who is or who isn't. Uh, being vaccinated at at the moment and you sort of have to put your trust in a lot of people and then there's the the argument on the other side that other people shouldn't, you know, ask if you're vaccinated or not and so it's kind of navigating around who you feel comfortable and who you know will keep you safe Um, and so I do know people that are seeing their friends but are nervous to go out in public like to festivals or concerts or anything, just well, with strangers that they don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is difficult at the moment, especially in re- retail, where at least for the moment, um, people who are un- unvaccinated can go to shopping centres and um, shops and all that, that kind of stuff. So the, I guess, the, yeah, the onus is still on the, per- the onus really is still on the, the immuno the, the immunocompromised or the or the person likely to get COVID to 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 sort of watch watch themselves and make sure they're not in harm's way. Whereas um, I guess it should be ideally it should be the resp- the responsibility of ev- everyone to to look after the vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know for myself, um, as I mentioned, I'm not immunocompromised, but um, because I need help getting getting up out of bed in the morning, going to bed at night time, if I caught COVID, um, I would I would need to go to hospital. That was that was what we were originally saying when COVID first began, because um, I wouldn't be able to invite carers into my home to help me um, mm. or support workers or anything because I, I don't want to put anybody else at risk. Um, so, yeah, it does make it difficult when you're relying on other people as well. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, 
I mean, that, that seems to be an issue. I mean, I know for my, myself, I, I, I too would be, um, you know, uh, st stuck at home having to, having to more or less fend, fend for myself, um, during, if I, if I, if I caught COVID and, um, that wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be a particularly pleasant experience. So again, you know, you, you're reliant on others to, you reliant on others to do the right, do the right thing by you, which, uh, which is not, which doesn't always, doesn't always happen. But, um, but I think you're, you're, uh, you're heading off to, uh, ability fest in a couple, couple yeah, of weeks. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two, two minutes to two minutes to go away. Um, so what, um, don't worry. What, what, so what lessons have you, what, ha, what lessons have you learnt from the COVID experience and disability that you'd like to, um, like take forward with you post COVID? Um, I guess, I mean, I mean, Logically, there are lessons that I've learned, um, and then emotionally, there are lessons that I'm going to keep with me. And those those two can be very different. I think if we're talking specifically um, disability, it's just about realizing that just because the world is opening up again, it doesn't mean that you should feel under any pressure to get out and about. People need to do what's right for them. Um, you know your body and you know your disability better than anyone. Um, and so if you feel like even though the world's opening up, you're not ready, that's completely fine. And everybody should be respected um, because as we kept hearing the politicians say, these are uncharted territories. Um, and so we just have to do what we what we think is best. And is there, is there, is there anything else you... And finally, is there anything else you'd like to get a, get across to people today about your COVID experience or or um, what they should take from the uh, disability experience of COVID? I think just I think sometimes in life we can get I, I'm I know that I'm a huge hugger. Hugging is how I show my affection to people, um, and so I think just just um, thinking more about sort of what we what we do and um, respecting maybe people's boundaries a bit more and how they they live life rather than assuming that everybody's going to be okay with going out and and being in big crowds we just need to respect that everybody's come out of this experience differently um, with different levels of hardship. Um, and we just need to respect that and be gentle with each other. I think. Well, what a, what a, what a uh, what wise words to uh, leave us with. Thank you very much, Nicole Smith, disability advocate, for joining us and talking about your experience of COVID and uh, post lockdown. Thank you. And thank you very much, Nicole. Now, just one last one for you. The name of your blog for people to find you again. <laughs> the name of it is Blank Pages and Empty Spaces. 
And you can find my website at blankpagesandemptyspaces.com. Thank you very much, Nicole. Thank you very much, Jeffine. My name is Raphael Taylor. Keep listening to 3CR on 855 AM. And make sure that you tune in for the International Day of Disability broadcast on the 3rd of December on for 3CR. Thank you very much. Keep listening. And the next broadcast of the boldness goes to air on the 15th of December. Let's go out with a song, Rooming House Blues by Eddie. Still aching 